0: Good evening. I'm just so proud to be here. Anybody that's old enough to remember who said that may be as old as I am. Uh, is that possible? Thank you, Carl. <laughs> Well, I can tell we're going to have an interactive tonight, interactive night tonight. So if you if you feel like shouting something out, go ahead. It, w- it won't bother me. I'll probably shout back something. Uh, but uh, it's interesting. Uh, Brett asked me uh, uh, a while back if uh, if I could do Wednesday night, uh, the sixth of April, and I and I said yes, I even when I and not got a new shirt. Um, but um, so I, I, you know, I've been uh, rambling through what it is that I might. The Lord might want me to do, and it uh happened this morning actually as I was uh having my time with the lord i was and i I would encourage you to uh they have some wonderful Bibles these days the uh the one year read through kind of Bibles where that you can uh, you know just do the reading of the day, you know, and the ones I like, I've got. I get, I get a bit of the Old Testament, I get a, I get a psalm, I get a, a little bit of Proverb, and then I get uh, something out of the New Testament. And we were in, in uh, Luke chapter eight today, and uh, th- I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can motivate you. I may guilt you a little, but I, don't, I hope I don't. But uh, what were the three things that Brett talked about within uh, recent days that we can, that we can know? God is good. God is sovereign, I've heard. That's two. Two out of three is not bad. But it's not quite good enough. (laughs) We're we're looking for perfection tonight. God is sovereign. God is good. And He loves me. That's extremely important. Now, I want to... uh, you You can read what comes before verse 39 of Luke chapter 8 and uh, in your own time but Luke 8:39 says He just healed this guy return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you and he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things God had done for him Question, think about, I'm going to give you a few minutes to think about this. What did you talk about today, and why were you talking about that? Go do a quick review, probably sometime today. You got up, obviously, you're here. <laughs> and, and, and your mind began to move on things. And and as your mind moves, generally speaking, that's going to motivate your mouth. And, And something that's going on in your mind most likely is going to escape your mouth. And that will generally be some semblance of guidance of your day. Let's go over to Psalm chapter 26. Now keep in mind... The what great things God has done for you. Uh, Brett did a wonderful job last Wednesday night in Psalm 73. Just talking about how how it can be easily tempting to somehow or another think the Lord is not doing quite as well as he might. In his uh, manner of life that he has got laid out for you. Psalm 26 starts with Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart, for thy loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I do not sit with deceitful men, nor will I go with pretenders. I hate the assembly of evildoers. And will not sit with the wicked. I shall wash my hands in innocence, and I will go about to thine altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and declare all thy wonders. O Lord, I love the habitation of thy house and the place where thy glory dwells. Do not take my soul away along with sinners, nor my life with men of bloodshed, in whose hands is a wicked scheme. And whose right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on a level place. In the congregations, I shall bless the Lord. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard the passions of your heart. For out of them proceed the issues of life. Now, as Brett has been exposing us to the potential of a new plan, well, not so much a new plan, but possibly a broader scope of what we might do as Calvary Chapel Surprise, that's going to take a bit of mind renewal. And that means that the things that you set your mind on, the things that you allow into your mind are going to have a contribution on how you proclaim the great things that the Lord has done to you. You need to check your inputs. That's why I ask you about how has your day gone? How has your hours been spent today? And how much of that would be related to the great things that God has done for you? See, we were, uh, my my wife and I, uh, from 1972 to 1981... Uh, before some of you were born, Uh, we were on the staff of Campus Crusade for Christ and worked with high school students. Uh, We became very familiar with the booklet you may be familiar with or you might should get familiar with called The Four Spiritual Laws. Uh, Part of our early training was we had to memorize it. We always had one with them and we were ready to share at any moment. Uh, Elevators, airplanes, anywhere. Uh, The founder of Campus Crusade, Dr. Bright, said anytime you're with someone for more than three minutes, that's a divine appointment and you should share the Lord. Uh, That shouldn't be frightening to you. Uh, And and you need, if, if it does seem a little extreme, you need to reassess what great things God has done for you. I'm, I'm kind of a diminishing sports fan. I used to be an idiot. God hath healed me. <laughs> but the sports page still has a place on my agenda. I noted that uh, Villanova and North Carolina had one of those games of history uh, a couple of days ago. The score was tied. 74 to 74, timeout, the coach tells his men, the play that we run every day, ever since you've been on this team, inbounds, last minute kind of play, is the one we'll run. Now, I didn't see the game, I just read about it. Inbound the ball to the guy who has no fear of shooting shot at the last minute, shoots it, three-pointer. Bingo. Villanova walks home with the NCAA trophy 7774. Okay. Is, is that a great thing in comparison to the great things God has done for you? Shouldn't be, but I can remember a time that it was. But the point I'm reaching for is, is the hope to challenge your life about this great thing that God has done for you and to recognize our culture has created an environment of great a distraction from what's really important. You see, uh, this fella back in Luke chapter 8 obviously had a great thing physically done for him and but Jesus gave him instructions to go and tell of the great things that God had done for him and he had done some great things for it so what's the great thing that God has done for you well the the simple answer is he's changed our eternal destiny when you know Jesus and have a relationship with him you don't go to hell and you do go to heaven That's a great thing. I don't think I would be remiss in saying that is the greatest thing. Now, back to your day. With the exception of Carl, how many of you talked about heaven today with someone? All right, I see some hands. Uh, The question you have to ask is if that is a great thing that God has done for me, did I talk about it as much as I did The sports deal, or the golf deal, or the cooking deal, or the kid deal, or whatever consumed your passions. Now again, you can take a guilt trip if you want to. But the fact of it is, we've got to figure out, okay, how do we reverse our priorities? How do we get in place those things that are going to bring about so that we can confidently speak as David spoke in Psalm 26, that I'm a man of integrity. That I walk in truth. That I basically spiritually am invincible. Because you are. You may not act like it yet, but that doesn't change a thing that God has done. So that you have to, you have to develop a mind renewal system that transforms your life. Romans 12, 2. And if you're not, then why not? You're being tricked. You're being deceived away from the great things that God has done for you. Now, I, I frequent the Surprise Library or the Maricopa Northwest Library. And it's interesting because most of the spiritual books end over in the cheap buys place. And uh, so I, I, pursue, I, I, I realize I'm, I'm opening a door that some of my books that I was going to get, you may get because you may get there before me once you discover this great treasure. <laughs> but I'll take that chance. Some, I don't know, three or four years ago, uh, I came across a, a book that it says right here once belonged to Marjorie E. Lerner. And it's called John Wesley's Prayers. It's it's a little book that ever since I've got it, it's become a part of my devotional reading. I, I want to share with you, because uh, I love verbiage. I, I love when people put together Paragraphs and sentences and 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 stuff, and he does that. Let us with this is Mr. Wesley's uh, words. Let us with reverence appear before him, and humble ourselves in the presence of his glory. For himself he made us, for himself he made us, and for his glorious kingdom. Guide me with thy holy grace that I may withdraw my affections from all vain and perishable creatures and fix them entirely on Thee, my Lord and my God. Send down, O God of our fathers and Lord of mercy, Thy wisdom from Thy holy heaven and from the seat of Thy greatness to be in us and to labor in us and to teach us what is acceptable unto Thee that we may know our end and wisely choose our way and order our actions to our true felicity. And he said, what meaneth felicity? Anybody know what meaneth felicity? I didn't either. But that's why Webster and God made dictionaries. (laughs) Happiness. Who said that? Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. Let's hear it from Mrs. Maloof. Thank you, Jesus. Great happiness. So let me read that again and change it a bit. Uh, Send down, O God of our fathers and Lord of mercy thy wisdom from thy holy heaven and from the seat of thy greatness to be in us and to labor with us and teach us what is acceptable unto thee that we may know our end and wisely choose our way and order our affections to our true great happiness. I ran across a phrase some years ago in one of John Piper's books that says Jesus as my most satisfying reality. And I pondered that, and I thought probably every Christian would affirm that that's what they would like. But I realized I didn't have a clue what that looked like or how to make it happen. But over the years, I've discovered it's a by-faith process. You just begin to believe and state to yourself that Jesus is your most satisfying reality. And it seems that the Holy Spirit begins to rearrange your priorities because a satisfied man is difficult to tempt. Dissatisfaction is what leads us into sin. So when you're satisfied with Jesus, sin has very little chance. Now, there are things that I still enjoy, but I'm not looking for satisfaction in them. I've got that. I shall come that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. John 10, 10. So we we have to begin to confront ourselves with our passions, with our values, with our pleasures, and those things that distract us from our true felicity. He says, he prays more in this one. Our thoughts are fearful and our prudence uncertain. We scarce conjure the things that are on earth, and find with pains the things that are in sight. Give us, O Lord, the wisdom that sits at Thy throne, and reject us not from among Thy children. Deliver us, O Lord, from relapsing into the sins we have repented of. Thou art our strength, O Lord, whom shall we fear? There art a salvation of what shall we be afraid? Nothing can hurt us but our own vicious desires. Nothing can endanger us but disobedience to our God. O God, who art ever present to all that thou hast made. God is sovereign, God is good, and he loves me. O God, thou art present to all that thou hast made, still watching to improve us, as we grow fit for greater bounty, keep, we beseech thee, our eyes continually fixed on thine over us, checking our inclination to folly and encouraging our pursuit of true good. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are created. To know thee, O Lord, is the highest learning, and to see thy face, the only happiness. Suffer us not to go till thou hast given us thy blessing, and then may thy blessing bind us faster unto thee. That doesn't mean quick, that means stuck. Bind us faster unto thee. He that framed the heart of man designed it for himself and bequeathed it unquietness till possessed of its maker. That's just beautiful. He framed the heart of man, designed it for himself, and bequeathed it unquietness till possessed of its maker. All thy ways, O Lord, are mercy and wisdom. All thy counsels Tend toward our happiness. Now, when you think through something like that, taking it a phrase at a time, immersing yourself in it, struggling with the language for sure because it's not the way we talk, but turning it in, making it your own then your life begins to blossom in an understanding that can't wait to communicate these great things that God has done for you. Because eloquence helps express greatness. And so you have to learn to immerse your mind in those things that enhance the great things that God has done for you, and it has very little to do with what you have in the material sense and even in the health sense. It's about your spiritual sense of this magnificent being who has called you to be a part of his kingdom. So you have to develop a system to defeat those doubts that come your way. It says of Abraham in uh, chapter 4, a phrase that I really love, uh, 2021, uh, it says that he wavered not into unbelief, but grew strong in faith, being fully persuaded that whatever God had promised, he was able to perform. Let me ask you this, do you believe God's going to fail in any of his promises. Now be careful. Because I'm, I, I could call on you to act like it. I mean, he's, he's not going to fail in his promises. We will all, you know, when he says he will supply all of your riches. Or all of, all of your, uh, your, you will supply all of your needs. According to his riches and glory. is, Is that a promise? Can we take it to the bank? Do you have any anxieties about his supply for you? See, we take our circumstances and use them to question his promises. And probably we all can take a short little guilt trip on that one. I can you know, as things descend upon your circumstances, when you begin to recognize this may be about a great thing God is about to do. He doesn't do stuff to destroy you, but to build you up and keep your trust solid in Him. And, and you, we run from it. Oh, well, this shouldn't be happening. I've never, had, I've never got a good result of accusing God of mismanagement. So I, I try not to do it. I have chats. I talk with him about things. I'm, uh, you know, as, you know, as time goes by, you, you get to that point where you recognize you're getting older. The Bible says the outer man perishes. And everybody over 70 said, and amen. You know, uh, I, I have several miscellaneous phrases, none of which would be appropriate for this evening, uh, that, uh, that I talk about as far as, you know, the deterioration of the physical condition. Uh, but, you know, it, it's our reality. But again, it, you've, you must be cautious because God has a deal for that. Uh, I've heard many, and my wife included, as one of them who've had tremendous opportunities as God has given them some physical affliction that has sent them to places they otherwise wouldn't go in order to meet people they otherwise wouldn't meet in order to proclaim the great things that God has done for them. And in the process of expecting a healing, but enduring the weakness. You have to think about these things. You have to make a plan of how you're going to glorify the Lord in your daily experience. That's what your devotional time is to be all about. It's not just checking the box. Another one that I read with regularity is Charles Spurgeon. And I thought it was interesting that what he had to say on April 6th, which is today, seemed to fit with what I wanted to say or present. Let us go forth therefore unto him... Without the camp. That means just outside the camp. Different language. Jesus bearing his cross went forth to suffer without the gate or outside of the gate. The Christian's reason for leaving the camp of the world's sin and religion is not because he loves to be singular, but because Jesus did so. And the disciple must follow his master. Christ was not of the world. His life and his testimony were a constant protest against conformity with the world. Never was such overflowing affection for men as you find in him, but still he was separate from sinners. In like manner, Christ's people must go forth unto him. They must take their position outside the camp as witness bearers for the truth. They must be prepared to tread the straight and narrow path. They must have bold, unflinching, lion-like hearts, loving Christ first and first and his truth next, and Christ and His truth beyond all the world. Did you get that? See, there are things that when you understand God's operative procedures that he has done, when Jesus said on the cross, "It is finished," that means everything had been accomplished. For our needs in order to accomplish and express these great things that God has done for us. There is a battle to stay lion hearted. Sometimes it's by faith. Sometimes it's in personal reality. Loving Christ first and his truth next. And Christ and His truth beyond all the world. Jesus would have His people go forth outside the camp for their own sanctification. You cannot grow in grace to any high degree while you are conformed to the world. You cannot grow in grace to any high degree while you are conformed to the world. The life of separation may be a path of sorrow, but it's the highway of safety. And though the separated life may cost you many pangs and make every day a battle, yet it is a happy life after all. No joy can excel that of the soldier of Christ. Jesus reveals himself so graciously and gives such sweet refreshment that the warrior feels more calm and peace in his daily strife than others in their hours of rest. We got a deal. We have got a deal, and and I you know I, I loved I, I read this stuff and I'm thinking wow I, that's good I wouldn't have thought of that I'm sure glad I, man that's all right. The highway of holiness is the highway of communion. It is thus we shall hope to win the crown if we are enabled by divine grace faithfully to follow Christ outside the camp. The crown of glory will follow the Christ of separation, the cross of separation. A moment's shame in a world sense will be well. Recompensed by eternal honor. A little while of witness-bearing will seem nothing when we are forever with the Lord. So, you know, you read something like that, April 6th, morning devotion, Charles Spurgeon, equipping, you're taking the thoughts of godly people and you're, you're digesting them. And, and the Spirit of God is working with them. And, and you're feeling this presence, this sense. Yeah, the adversary is going to come in immediately and say, well, that can't be you. I mean, that, after all, I mean, it was Charles Spurgeon. Yeah. No, no. If Spurgeon's got it, if Paul's got it, you know what? I got it. You got it. So you, you have to set aside this disabling unbelief. Don't waver into unbelief, but grow strong in faith, knowing what God has done, knowing He's done it for you, knowing He's done it in you, and knowing He's going to do it through you. But you have to restructure your thinking. You have to guard your intakes. Uh, the, the, The evening devotion is not a slouch either for today. In the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Psalm 118:12 Our Lord Jesus by his death did not purchase a right to a part of us only but to the entire man. He contemplated in his passion the sanctification of us holy, spirit, soul and body. In this triple kingdom he himself might reign supreme without a rival. See That's what Jesus as your most satisfying reality begins to do. It's not that you don't enjoy other things. They're just not competing for the place in the life that they do not have. So you can say yes or no to things that you used to think you had to have. It is the business of the newborn nature which God has given to the regenerate to assert the rights of the Lord Jesus Christ. My soul... So far as thou art a child, of God, a child of God, thou must conquer all the rest of thyself, which yet remains unblessed. Thou must subdue all thy powers and passions to the silver sepulcher of Jesus' gracious reign. And thou must never be satisfied till he who is king by purchase also becomes king by gracious coronation and reigns in you supreme. Mm-mm. I think that's good enough to do again. I mean, it's just so cool that somebody could write that down and think that way. You must subdue all your powers and passions to the silver sepulcher of Jesus' gracious reign, and thou must never be satisfied till he who is king by purchase becomes also king by gracious coronation and reigns in you supreme. That is an option. It's a very viable option. And according to Jesus, an easy option. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Now, I find it quite beneficial to have those things handy because you never know when you're going to use them. So if you don't have a memorization program, start one. You can start with Luke eight. 39, he went out and told of the great things that God had done for him. Walk out of here tonight thinking, I'm going to go out and tell of the great things that God has done to me, and then start making your list of the great things God has done for you. See, Jan and I are at this season of life where we can look back and in awe of what God has done in And for us. I never knew. That I could be. As excited. About my wife. As God has empowered me to be excited about my wife. Has nothing to do with her. That astounds me. But it's really an alright place. See it. The scripture says, husbands, love your wives. There's no asterisk that says, if she. Now, girls don't laugh too hard. Because guess what it says about you gals? Respect. And there's no asterisk that says, if he. See, God has got this pool of resource. That is artesian. That means it flows freely in case you're not from a farming community. It just flows up as you begin to expect that God's going to be God and do great things that you can talk about. I love talking about what God has done in my marriage. I'm not afraid. I mean it's just it's just such a joy. It doesn't it doesn't surround me, it doesn't limit me. It 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 gives me fantastic joy and a huge witness. People almost faint when we tell them we've been married nearly 55 years. Really? How'd you do that? Well, we didn't leave. (laughs) But we've had God at the center since 1969. And that's what made the huge difference. See, it's not that we have a great marriage. We have a great God. And He knows marriage. And, and it, you know, Jen probably wouldn't agree as much as I, I love conflict. Because I'm good with words. I can win nearly every argument we get into. <laughs> I just, you know, keep battering her words until finally she quits. <laughs> I did the same thing with my mother. It's, it's an ingrained generational habit, but it's still pretty effective. Until the conviction of the Holy Spirit shows up. And, and then I have to reverse my feel and confess my sin. But, but it, it, life becomes, when you know that God is in control and everything's covered, you know, I, I, I may get in trouble for saying this, but you, you really can, because of grace, you can sin all you want to. It, it won't turn out well for you, but you can. Because it's covered. But why would you want to? I mean, there's nothing there for you. There's no satisfaction. There's no joy. You're only going to catch a huge boatload of negative, destructive stuff because God loves His children, and and He He knows how to slap your hand or your eyes or your ears or what? (laughs) See, I have to pay attention to Carl. Sometimes he comes up with a jewel, and I I want to... I want to steal it, but uh, so uh, there, there's still uh, about a half page left of the evening devotion of uh, of Ma- Master Spurgeon here, so. Uh, My soul, so far as thou art a child of God, thou must conquer the rest of thyself, which yet remains unblessed. Thou must subdue all thy powers and passions to the silver sepulcher of Jesus' gracious reign, and must never be satisfied till he who is king by purchase also becomes king by gracious carnation and reigns in you supreme. Seeing then that sin has no right to any part of us, we go about a good and lawful warfare when we seek... In the name of God, to draw, drive it out. See, that's what you get. See, the the issue is righteousness driving out sin. It's not me trying to get rid of sin. It's me recognizing the power of righteousness to the degree that sin is no longer troublesome. O oh, my body, thou art a member of Christ. Shall I tolerate thy subjection to the prince of darkness? O oh, my soul, Christ has suffered for thy sins and redeemed thee with his most precious blood. Shall I suffer your memory to become a storehouse of evil, or thy passions to be firebrands of iniquity? Shall I surrender my judgment to be perverted by error, or my will to be led in fetters of iniquity? No, my soul, thou art Christ, and sin has no right to thee. Two, That guy must have been a preacher. Gee, he was good wish they'd had tv you know <laughs> but so that that process uh, of you have to realize it it is serious stuff but the victory's won but you you have to take control of your mind and begin to think those thoughts from the satisfaction that Jesus bought for you already it's that's a done deal and what you have to do is recognize the trickery the deception the destruction all those negative things that tend to you know, appear as attractions to you. You've got to strip them down and recognize they're destructive. They're, they're coming at you and have no right to you. Be courageous concerning this, O oh Christians. Be not dispirited as though your spiritual enemies could never be destroyed. You are able to overcome them, not in your own strength. The weakest of them would be too much for you in that. But you can and shall overcome them through the blood of the Lamb. Do not ask how shall I dispossess them, for there are greater. And, uh, do not ask how shall I dispossess them, for they are greater and mightier than I. But go to the strong for strength. Wait humbly upon God, and the mighty God of Jacob will surely come to the rescue, and you shall sing of victory through His grace. What great things has God done for you? Now, the temptation is to take those things that you're not particularly fond of that's going on currently in your life and, again, accuse God of mismanagement. Well, that, that's not going to the strong one. See, in the world you will have tribulation, Jesus said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Oh, okay. And so as you begin to recognize, it's really about the attitude of spirit. The fruit of the spirit is, are you ready? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you know those things? If you don't, well, shame on you. Because you won't recognize your fruit when it shows up. Really. See, if you're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And that it, that begin to... How, how are you going to know if it's happening or not? See, I have a process that the Lord showed me. I, I wondered one time. Some of you probably heard me say this before. Uh, but, but I wondered, did I really love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength? And, and was there a measure of that? And it's like the Holy Spirit said, what's something that you do know that you love with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? And what do you do to keep that love afire? Oh, I said some decades ago, I know who I love heart, mind, soul, and strength the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) I'm from Texas. Any good blue-budded Texan loves the Dallas Cowboys. Until, until Tom Landry died and Jerry Jones bought them, then, you know, (laughs) you don't sell Texas teams to Arkansas people. Negative, no, never, Uh uh-uh. That was part of the God's plan of showing me that that was supposed to be something that was a way lot lower level of love than I had it. But what I began to realize, I thought, okay, what is it that fires my love? Well, I subscribed at that time to the Dallas Cowboy Weekly. That's a paper they put out. I got it regularly on Wednesday. So I would replay Sunday's game until Wednesday, and then on Thursday I begin to pre play Sunday's coming game. Hmm. You know, I knew numbers and stats and names and, and you know, Don Meredith and Bob, what's his, Bob, Bob, Bob Lilly was, was the, the tackle, and Bob Hayes was the pass guy that changed football because a track guy could outrun everybody, and Leroy Jordan, and, and, I mean, they, I, I immersed myself, and it's kind of like, wonder what would happened if I did that with God? <laughs> so I made a shift, and, and I began to I begin to displace by God's grace and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the Word. That began to... And it it helped that the cowboys started losing. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) But, uh, see, you, you take something tangible that you know. You take the known and apply it to the desired. Because that's the way God has wired you. See, he doesn't want to make you something different than he created you to be. He just wants to have that throne of your life so that as you are, you know, my, I love watching my wife. My wife is gifted relationally. I mean, I, she can have a relationship with a rock or a fence post. I mean, she's just, she just good at it. Now, I have become well-trained because I watch her. I watch her touch. I watch her pray. I, I, I hear her on the phone. The lady is marvelous in, in the giftedness that God has given her in order to encourage people, develop people, uh, make people hunger and thirst for righteousness. So, like I say, she's gifted. I'm pretty well trained. Before, I was just independent. It was all about Billy. And, and that still kind of hangs around in, in a bit of a cloud every once in a while. So that's why that I thought, okay, how can I neutralize these things? And so I begin to make endeavors of uh, using the abilities that I have to accomplish other things. What's keeping you from being the Christian you believe you can or should be? That's not meant to be to be a hard question. It's just meant to be something that you take to your devotions. What do you think God wants you to be? Do you have a life purpose statement? What is that? Well, it's something that you can look to that begins to direct your steps. Now, I mentioned that we were with Campus Crusade for Christ for a few years, and one year the management system They were big into management. We had a couple of summa cum laude Harvard Business School graduates that were Christians and joined the ministry. So they were going to get everybody on the right management page. I have a huge manual, the Ministry of Management Manual. One of the things that they required was that every director of any campus, I was the director of a high school campus at that time, any director of any campus would have to have a life purpose statement. Now, I acquiesce to management. I do what they want me to do. It's the case of, you know, I, 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 I sit down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. So I thought, okay, I'll work with this and see if I can come up with some sort of management statement. Now, before I give you the statement... I want to tell you that that I sent it off to them, knew they were happy, filed it, didn't look at it for, I don't know, some number of years. Then I came back to it some years later and looked at it and was just flooded with the fact that I did have a life purpose statement, that this was what God was doing with me. To know God well enough to explain Him to anyone who's curious and excite them to follow Him. That's what my life is all about. God gave me that. God empowers that. God gets all the glory. But I'm I'm very satisfied in it. Now you could watch my life, and there'd be days and say, "Is that really it?" Because there's days that I say, "Is this really it?" Uh, but you know, then opportunities like this come along, and I realize that in the process of the way God has developed our lives to His glory. He's put us in places where our our assignment, our vocation, our life had to be exactly what He wanted to be as far as His his equipping was concerned. He has supplied and continues to supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory. It's astounding to me because it's grace. It's amazing. If I look at my history and try to find where I earned something... I'm a derelict. You know, haven't had a vocation. I've just been seeking Jesus. You know, if you're not familiar with the process, you have to raise your own funds with Campus Crusade for Christ. Since 1972, people have sent us money to sustain us in our life. I don't get that, but they do, and I'm glad. You know, And they're glad. We talk to them. We have contact with them. It's amazing. You know, it, it's, not up to, it's not about my performance. It's about God do, them doing what God wants them to do. And I'm doing what God wants me to do. And that's the way God wants it to work. I have tried several times to go do it another way. God hath forbade that in no uncertain terms. Because I'm a very talented individual, as you can probably all see. That wasn't meant to be funny. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. But God's gifted us all. And, 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 and so we need to use those gifts. See, as I was preparing this, I'm, I'm going to come back to this. I don't want you to forget that you're, you're to be, when you leave here, you are to be talking about the great things that God hath done for you. One of the great things that God has done for me is given me some abilities to rhyme and dramatize Bible stuff. So I know that some of you have expressed that you hoped I would do some of my poetry. So, not to disappoint you. Because I was thinking about, I've always wanted to develop a road show with my poetry. Just put it together and go out on the road. Get one of those, you know, big buses, you know, and, and uh, yeah, right. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, so I'm, I'm, right now I'm shuffling through my mind deciding which one I think you would most like to enjoy. Now, my, my premier piece is Esther, and that will probably finish up the time here. So I'm going to do that for you. If you're familiar with the book of Esther, you'll recognize this. If you're not, when I get through, you will be familiar with the book of Esther. <laughs> Twas near the end of a six-month party. Great King Xerxes was feeling hardy. He declared this was the day to put the queen on display. Sent some eunuchs to get Queen Vosti. She replied,
1: I don't mean to be nasty, but I ain't coming. With this sort of conduct, we can't come in. Among the women could
0: start a trend. Before more ladies are beguiled, we'll put Queen Vosti in exile. (laughs) So the queen is out the door. Male dominion is safe once more. One slight problem does remain. There is no queen in this domain. But who shall we get for Vosti's place? The fairest maiden of form and face will search this kingdom up and down until this beauty can be found. No expenses will he spare for one who will the kingdom share. Now, a Jew named Mordecai was in this city, and his niece Esther was very pretty. we're talking drop-dead gorgeous. (laughs) Get a load of that. (laughs) She found favor when she was seen by the man looking for the queen. When complete in the one-year training, she was chosen to be reigning with the king. Meanwhile, in the palace underground, we find a plot is coming down. Mordecai, sitting by the gate, overhears two crooks relate their plan to harm the king. He tells Esther of the thing, who in turn informs the king, when the facts prove to be true, they execute the guilty too. Details of this plot, unpulled, in the books were chronicled. Now, after all of this commotion, the king gives Haman a promotion. Filling Haman full of pride, every day he takes a ride through the streets of Susa town, forcing folks to all bow down. But Mordecai, he will not bow, something Haman can't allow. Haman's fury grew and grew. Then he said, Here's what I'll do. To the king
1: I'll take my plan. Kill all the Jews throughout the land.
0: <laughs> Dice were thrown for the lucky day that the Jews would be done away. Eyes were dotted, T's were crossed. A law was made for this holocaust. Mordecai, when he read the paper, was most dismayed about this caper. Tore his clothes, began to mourn. Do knew that Esther. He must warn. Do not think you are exempt from the touch of this attempt of madman Haman's fiendish plan of all the Jews to rid this land. Listen close, my lovely niece, in order to secure release from destruction of this deal. Implore the king to make appeal. You've been raised up, I shall insist, for a time. Just such as this, to stop this thing that has been done could be the reason, royal one, that
1: you're the queen, hey? (laughs) Well, to save my people would be delighting. To see the king requires inviting. Entry with no invitation means an instant termination. So tell the people of our race to fast. Three days, so I can face the peril of this bold intrusion to expose the vile collusion. For when the king sees me come in, then his scepter he must extend. And if he doesn't, then advise all the people of my demise. But my life I will not cherish. If I perish, well, I perish.
0: Dressed up in her very finest, in she went to see his highness. He beheld her standing there, raised his wand and said, come here. Saw the queen was in a pout and said, I'd like to help you out. Up to half the kingdom, dear, is what I give to calm your fear. Esther said, my
1: one request is you and Haman be my guest. At a banquet I'll prepare, then my petition I will share.
0: So, the king and Haman came that night, but Esther said, "'Oh,
1: it's not yet right for me to share my heartfelt need. Oh, what shall I do? Oh, oh, I know. Tomorrow night I'd like to feed you and Haman one more meal. Then my desire I will reveal.'"
0: "'Okey-dokey,' said the king. Haman's heart was filled with glee. "'The king and queen are thrilled with me.'" were the sort of thoughts he had that night while going to his pet, until his eyes saw Mordecai, who did not bow when he passed by. His anger did not get control until his wife and frenzy he told, nah, yeah, I am a favorite of the king, but that will never fully bring the joy that I'd like, you see. <laughs> Mordecai won't bow his knee. <laughs> his wife replied,
1: Well, that ain't so tough. Just build a gallows and string him up. That'll end this Jewish ploy, and tomorrow night you can eat with joy. Command some men and give them warning. Build that gallows before
0: morning. Haman's heart, so full of malice, would seek approval from the palace. Ah, but unbeknownst to Haman's clan, a sleepless king will foil this plan. His mind alert. He couldn't snooze. He chose to catch up on the news. While Chronicles were being read, it was revealed he could be dead. Two doormen had conceived a plot to kill the king, but it did not work because of Mordecai. What honor can we give this guy that would be fitting for a man who saved the king from hurtful hand, who's in the court, that I might ask, the proper way to do this task? It seems that Haman just came in. The king said, over here, my man, what do you think a king should do for someone to show honor to? Haman thought, it must be me. I mean, who else
1: could it be? <laughs> oh, I'll make this one. I'd like to see. Let me think about it. Oh, oh, oh! I think that honor would be found by robe and horse and kingly crown and then a herald of proclamation for this royal situation. Through the city streets they'd go so that everyone can know the honor that a man can gain when he's a pleasure to the king.
0: That is the plan that we will try. Go do all that for Mordecai. So Haman took the robe horse and obeyed his king, of course. He gave Mordecai his ride and then went home without his pride, told his wife of the event, then off to Esther's place he went to keep the date that had been made, not knowing of the plans now laid. The king and Haman both are there, and Esther is prepared to share much more than just a banquet meal. Her mind is on another deal. Between the wine and appetizer, the king again said he'd oblige her. Anything her heart desired, just tell him all that she required. Esther said,
1: I mean no strife, but I would like to save my life and all my people from termination. That is my solicitation.
0: Well, the king at once became irate. Why, who this deed would perpetrate? Esther then exposed the foe that the king desired to know.
1: Who conceived this deed so dastard? Haman is the guilty person.
0: (laughs) What shall I do, the king inquired, with one who evil so inspired?
1: Uh, Well, uh, there is a gallows very high that Haman built for Mordecai, (laughs) just just standing empty in his yard.
0: (laughs) To convince the king wasn't hard. On these same gallows so nearby, Haman would be hanging high. And then to stop the insurrection, every Jew would have protection. So, in summary of our tale, we find that justice does prevail. Haman hung high as a steeple. No harm came to Esther's people. The king is happy with his spouse. Oh, Mordecai got Haman's house. (laughs) And every year on a special date, this story is read to celebrate a gracious time of joyous news, the Feast of Purim for the Jews. Thank you. Now, that's one of the great things that God has done for me glory to the Lord. Those abilities, that ability to write stuff that rhymes, all of that is a gift of the Holy Spirit for me. I do it in honor of Him and for His glory. But I do it right good, don't you notice? Amen. So thank you. And, and see, as, as, as you scan the horizon of your abilities, of your personality, of those things that you delight in, when you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you desires of your heart, desires that will blossom into those great things that you can tell that your God has done for you. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the people. Thank you for their intentiveness. Thank you for the preparation and and all that you've done here. Uh, Lord, help us to not escape from the imaginations of our mind and the realities of our past that will develop the hunger for the relationship that we'll need to recognize and express the great things that you have done for us. God, you are a great God. You are sovereign. You are good, and you love us and help us to be able to develop those sort of expressions to those that we're daily with and and consistently around of the great things that our great God has done for us to your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen.